Welcome to Activity Quest, the podcast that's packed with stuff to do. This week, we're going back in time to relive some of our favourite moments. First up, Adam's playing an escape room at home. It's called Mini Mysteries. Hi, my name is John Gracie and I'm a game designer. And uh, the most recent game I've made is, along with my two good friends, Matt and Rich, uh, is Mini Mysteries, which is uh, an exciting, immersive time travel game for all the family uh, where you receive a package in the post and it's a message, a parcel from a time traveller who is stuck in the past and the package has made its way to your doorstep. And so you, uh, along with your family, have to solve a series of puzzles and clues in order to um, send the... in order to fix the time machine of an agent who is trapped in time. I don't want to give away too much, but that is the basic premise. It is all about solving puzzles in order to rescue someone who is trapped in the past. Okay, mini mysteries. I've received my package. I opened it up, and inside I've got two envelopes, two kind of brown manila envelopes. They look kind of like detective envelopes. The first says open first, and the second says in case of emergency. So I suppose... We should begin with the one that says open first. Ooh, okay. I see. I've got a a stupid grin on my face. This is right up my street. Uh, This is some kind of detective game, I can already tell. Hi, Adam. My name is Cleo. I work for a secret time-travelling organisation called the Ministry of Time, and I need your help. Someone's tampered with my time machine, and I'm stuck in the year 1922 in Egypt. Fascinating period, but I need to get back to my home in the year 2352. (laughs) It is I, sudden a massive countdown timer has appeared on screen we've got only 60 minutes to save cleo or she's going to be stuck in the past in 1922 in egypt we've got cleo the cleosetta stone uh much like the famous rosetta stone which archaeologists discovered and used to translate languages of the ancient world this holds the key to the puzzles we've got to figure this out and there is an override code that we need to enter. So, let's work this out. Take the see-through scanner. It looks kind of like a spanner. I've provided a circular symbol in the viewing lens and spin it around until the target lines up with one of the animals. Hey, presto, that animal is the next envelope you need to open. So, okay, so I guess we start there. Uh Uh-oh, time's ticking along. 
Gotcha. How are you? We um, really wanted to design something that everyone could play because one of the things I'm most excited about in, in terms of game design is accessibility because, um, you know, I've been playing video games my whole life. I'm very old. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a culture often in video games of like, oh, you haven't played this game, so you're not a real gamer or you haven't done that. And it, it's something that I um, I think has no place in, in uh, gaming at all. So this is designed to be something that everyone can play. And that doesn't mean it's easy, although certainly some of the puzzles are easier than others. It's designed to be a game that anyone can do. So you don't have to know anything about uh, so about ancient Egypt, which is the setting for the first game. And I should say we have a whole series of games planned, each in a different time period. And the first game is set um, in, it's actually in the 1920s, uh, where people were looking into ancient Egypt. So it kind of is across three time periods. But anyway, we did all the research first. Um, and then I found that it was much easier to come up with puzzle ideas the more I knew about the time period. Um, but the, the first game, the puzzles are lots of puzzles that I think you would recognise. Uh, so, for example, there is a maze, there is a, um, a kind of spot the difference-esque puzzle, but we've put twists on all of them to... And I'm trying not, not to give too much away, but we put twists on all of them to fit them along with the theme. So the maze is a labyrinth uh, leading to the centre of an ancient tomb where um, the Egyptians would bury their pharaohs, their, their leaders. So it's um, so there's that, and then the, the spot the difference one you're looking at a series of polaroids made uh, of different um, ancient stones and you're trying to see which one is the real one because there are, there's been a bunch of replicas made by the, by the villain of the piece, the Baron um, and so each puzzle is designed to bring you closer into the world, bring you more into the world of, of ancient Egypt whilst also giving you fun things to play and do most excited uh, to do the winged watchers uh, is is actually one of the most difficult we've been given uh, a picture of, of a tablet uh, not an iPad but an ancient Egyptian tablet and we've got to work out which of them is real so it's like extreme spot the difference and I just can't figure it out. We've ruled out two. Three. Three. Okay, we've ruled out three. We've still got three that it could very well be. You're taking longer than the longest river in the world. The Amazon. Uh, ignore him. He's thinking of the Nile. Idiot. What? Well, touche. Okay, I think we've done it. Uh, I think we've opened the final envelope that we need. We've got 20 minutes left to save Cleo. We've got another sheet of paper here that says, Dear Diary, I'm writing from my hotel, and there's some gaps. So we better figure this one out quickly. That's kind 
kind of it. Yeah, I really wanted to bring in all these elements from different media that I really liked. So I love board games. I love the fact that board games are physical and tactile and you're picking up bits of paper or bits of wood and you're moving them around. And then I love that video games um, often can conjure up very imaginative worlds and they often... Well, both, both media are very good at rules, I think. It doesn't sound fun if you're listening, kids, but rules are actually really good for fun games. Um, you know, certain games you just want to have no rules and your imagination runs wild and that's great. But in terms of... I think of it like writing a poem, you know, if you just could write anything in a poem, that that's fine. But if you have a structure like a sonnet and it has a certain amount of lines and a certain amount of syllables in a line, suddenly what you can fit into that becomes really interesting. It becomes a game in and of itself. So I'm very into rules, <laughs> which makes me sound really boring, but I promise you I'm not. Um, and I think uh, board games and video games are very good at rules specifically. Um, and what else? I also really like Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm not sure if that's relevant here. I think just cracked the final puzzle. We've got 11 minutes left to go to save uh, Cleo. I don't want to give too much away, but essentially we've just solved what we think is the final puzzle. Okay, hopefully, Cleo, this saves you. (gasps) Beginning override sequence... Oh, I can't. I'm so excited. We've been working on the second game for months and months and months. Uh, and it's called... So the first game, I should say, the first game is called The Egyptian Enigma. And it's set in 1920s Egypt and then harking back to ancient Egypt. Um, the second game, which is coming out, I would... I can't say exactly when. Hopefully in about a month, maybe? Uh, our designer will, will kill me if I'm wrong. But um, let's say that. Uh, it is called The Medieval Mishap. And it is set in the 1300s, I think, or maybe early 1400s in medieval England uh, and it involves a tournament and it involves lots of different agents and it involves so many types of puzzle that we couldn't fit in the first game and I'm I'm tremendously excited there's a really exciting audio puzzle we use the computer slightly more in this in that you're going kind of going back and forth between the two um, and also in the new game there is no timer because we wanted the, the, this the new game is much more of a kind of adventure that you explore um, and so we've taken the time pressure off the first game does have a 60 minute timer although you can turn it off for the first game because not everyone likes to have the timer i personally really enjoy the extra um kind of tension but if that's not your thing you can switch it off and there's no pressure for it um whereas the second game is much more about exploring the environment and oh it's set yeah medieval times there's a big tournament it's knights it's uh, swords and shields there's betrayal there's horses oh it's this is gonna be great amazing stuff thank you to adam for that and if you want to get involved mini mysteries.club is the place to find out all about the world of mini mysteries adventures whatever you get up to let us know you can leave a five star review wherever it is you're listening to this or get in touch at funkidslive.com slash activity quest all right now how does that song go it's beginning to look a lot like christmas 
Thanks, Bex. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas, isn't it? Nottingham Christmas Market is now open. It's all happening in Old Market Square. There's no ice rink this year, but there is a specially constructed Christmas village, and it's even lined with Christmas trees. Walk around, find food, and shop at independent stalls from across the county. That's Nottingham Christmas Market. It's on from now until the new year. Over a million lights, lasers, and seasonal sounds will be filling the air at Blenheim Palace soon. Discover glittering tunnels of light, dancing lakeside reflections, and trees drenched in jewel-like colour. Flickering flames in the fire garden gaze up at the larger-than-life illuminations and don't forget to catch a glimpse of Father Christmas along the way. It's called Christmas at Blenheim Palace. BlenheimPalace.com is the place to find out more. And from now until the end of the year, Cardiff are throwing the ultimate winter experience split across two prestigious locations. Ice skating, funfair attractions, food and drink and festive cheer is available for all. Cardiff's winterwonderland.com is the place to find out more and book your tickets. As always, remember to check before you travel and book in advance where you can. And whatever you do, tell them Activity Quest sent you. As you hopefully know by now, George has been riding roller coasters all over the world with his friend Len. Len Tester is a theme park ride expert. What a job. And they are ranking the top coasters from all continents. Let's find out where we're heading to today. Len Tester's Ultimate Theme Park Rides. So, for the final time this summer, we are being joined by Len Tester, our theme park expert, who is here to tell us about the latest instalment of Len Tester's Ultimate Guide to Theme Park Rides. This is where Len tells us about the world's greatest attractions from theme parks across the world. We've got a leaderboard going. Currently, 11 attractions are placed on it, and we're about to find where the final 12th attraction is going to go. Len is applying his theme park knowledge, along with some real science and proper data, to come up with these attractions in this leaderboard list. So, um, Len, welcome back to Fun Kids, and what attraction are we talking about today? Uh, George, we're talking about a ride at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios in Walt Disney World. Um, but George, before we uh, we actually mention the ride, I want to uh, preface this with one, with one thing. So we mentioned uh, before we, uh, at, at the start of this series, that we're strongly consumer focused here at the Unofficial Guide. Um, and we've been fairly critical of uh, Disney and Universal. For the thing that I'm about to say, keep that in mind. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so uh, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna quickly ask you two questions before we get onto this attraction. So, the first up is Disney's Hollywood Studios. It's in Orlando, Florida, and this is basically a a, a, a a theme park which is full of kind of interesting stuff from different movie properties like Pixar and Toy right. Story, and 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 equally, it's kind of a trip down Hollywood, like old fashioned Hollywood. Is that right? Would that be fair? It's a combination of old Hollywood and then uh, new movie franchises. So, okay, let's move on now to Star Wars because um, this is the direction we're heading in. Now, Disney, a few years ago, decided that they wanted to do something incredible with Star Wars. So, right. uh, Len, talk, talk us through what Disney did uh, when they set out to build a very own land all about Star Wars. When Disney acquired the Star Wars film franchise, it was inevitable. And they ended up building... Uh, this thing called Galaxy's Edge, two identical lands, one in California, one in Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, both with the same set of attractions. So now this this world that they built, mm-hmm. it's it's 
properly immersive, right? It, it feels like you are in some sort of Star Wars planet or Star Wars land. Is, is, that, is that correct? You're on a planet called Batu in a land called Black Spire Outpost. Uh, thematically, they want to be consistent. So there's, um, you know, there's canon, there's story um, associated with Star Wars in here. You're somewhere around the eighth movie, uh, episode eight. Um, so you've got characters like Rey and Kylo Ren and BB-8 walking around in the land as you're walking through. Um, when we say immersive, uh, we're talking about the theme, we're talking basically about how when you are in the land, it's like you're in the film or the book, right? You are there, and the and the the things that you would expect to see if you were walking around inside the film are physically present in the land. And it's got two rides. One ride is a uh, motion simulator based on the Millennium Falcon spaceship in Star Wars, where you actually get to pilot the Millennium Falcon, wow, which is a very good ride. Amazing. But the headliner ride um, is this thing called Rise of the Resistance. And this it is the is, ride today that is, that is going to be on our leaderboard, right? George, when I say this is the best ride that Disney's done in 30 years, <gasps> it's wow. it's hard for me to even express what the second ride might be to the every single thing that Disney does well they did well in this ride it is massive in terms of scope it my understanding disney won't officially say this my understanding is that each land that they built cost one billion u.s dollars and half that money had to go into this ride i mean it this is, is a half a billion pound ride i mean that is mind-blowing amounts of money so it it just must be truly incredible then it is from start to finish the most incredible thing I've ever been on. The first time I went on, on this ride, George, there are there are four different sort of segments or four different show scenes. By the end of the second one, I had already not understood how any of the design elements worked. Like, it, so we'll, we'll go through it real quick. Um, in the first scene, you meet Ray. You're in a cave. Um, there's a hologram of Ray who comes on. BB-8 is there as well. And Ray explains to you basically what you're going to be doing uh, during this adventure. And the thing that they did here, the thing that Disney did here that is incredible is you're familiar with the hologram of like Princess Leia sure. in the Star course, Wars films, right, George? They replicated that in real life in the first scene of this ride to wow. where it is a life-size Ray in front of you, it is technologically incredible. And Ray explains to you sort of the story that you're, um, there's a rebel base uh, whose location needs to be a secret, but they're gonna, we're, we've volunteered to be uh, part of the rebellion, so we're gonna be taken to the rebel base. Fair enough. That's scene one. Then you're led outside to be transported to the rebel base on an actual starship. Now, you're walking outside. The, the first show scene, you're indoors. You walk outside and you walk from the outside into a transport ship. And the idea is that uh, it's a simple ferry uh, mechanism that takes you to the to the land. But of course, it's a Disney ride. So the, the theme of every Disney ride is, and then something went wrong, <laughs> right? It's a so you're on the it's ship. A it's a pattern, right? So you're in you're in a sort of like a you know twenty foot by ten foot box, and as you're inside the ride vehicle, you can see. Imagine it like a motion simulator, but an extremely gentle motion simulator. You're standing up the entire time, but you can feel vibrations, and you can see that you're supposed to be flying through space, and the the captain's talking to you. And at some point, you get captured. 
by one of the star cruisers of the the uh, first order. Okay, and the amazing thing is that the door that you entered to from the outside from the from the the land opens up, but you're no longer outside. You've been captured, and you're on the first order spaceship. So your first scene is in a large hangar, like you where right you can see directly outside the movie. Right, it's pretty much and right. the first. Right, and there's star troopers all around you, and you've been captured. So, it, it, you know, and when you got on the ride, you're, you know, ostensibly in the Florida sun. The same door opens, and now you're inside, looking out into space. And I was like, how did that? How did that even happen? Uh, it was amazing. And uh, of course, what you want to do, when the first, the first thing that, that you want to do when you're captured by the first order is take a selfie with a stormtrooper, <laughs> and that's what everyone of does, George. The interior decor and the architecture, once you're in the the ride, is exactly like the movies. The buttons in the ride look like the buttons in the movie. The walls in the ride look like the walls. Just the attention to detail is like spot on. It is, yeah. And the other thing that they've done really well, and 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 Universal does this all very well with their Harry Potter lines too, is the the employees who man the ride are in character the entire time oh brilliant so so they when they're telling you where to stand for the next section of the ride they're telling you that uh that you need to uh, to do this in order for your interrogation to proceed because the first order knows that you know the location of the rebel base that ray told you about in the very first scene so they're in on the story they they're kind of part of the attraction Right. And if you if you and they're telling you to stand in a certain place and face a certain way. And if you don't do it, they come and, you know, yell at you gently, but they yell at you. Right. So, uh, you know, you're in this room and there's these buttons and screens all around you. And if you push a button, they'll tell you not to push their buttons and things like that. It's very well done. The third amazing thing of this ride is imagine the rebels who are already on the the battleship use a torch to cut a large hole in the wall that you didn't see there before. It happens all in a split second. Uh, they use a torch to cut open a hole in the wall. You, they jump through the, the hole in the wall. They say they're here to rescue you. You jump through the wall with them and you start your adventure. By the way, we are now, the, everything we've talked about to this point is just the pre-show. Oh it's not word. the ride itself. Oh my word. That's just the setup, George. Now you have to escape the first order spaceship and you have to get back to the base um so what they do is they put you on a a transport vehicle in the spaceship um and they tell you to uh find the an escape pod located on the other end of the ship of course as you do that again something goes wrong um in this case the first order realizes that you're escaping uh and kylo ren chases you but you as you go through the ship you see everything from like you know droids that you normally see in star wars to at one point you go into a room where uh, george you know what the at ats are the sort of the four-legged walkers sure. in the star yeah, wars of universe course, of course yeah, yeah yeah you go through a scene where there are at ats in a room that is in, it's an impossibly tall room way larger than you think can fit in the actual show building and the at ats are firing at you as you're trying to escape. It is an incredibly well done bit of visual trickery. Um, there are lasers moving around you as if you're being 
shot at. Um, you're moving backwards and forwards. At one point, Kylo Ren chases you, and you're in a um, a small elevator shaft, and Kylo Ren thrusts his lightsaber through the ceiling and starts cutting the ceiling. But it's done in a way to where if you look at the ceiling, if you happen to be looking at exactly the right spot, it looks like a normal ceiling. And that as the lightsaber cuts it, you can see the sparks flying from the metal and it actually appears cut and burnt in real time. And it, I had to read the, the patent that Disney filed with this particular technology to understand how it got done. Every time I see it, I'm amazed by it. It's incredible. Uh, and again, this isn't even the 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 best part of the ride. Um, so you end up in a in a penultimate scene where you face off with Kylo Ren. I won't spoil it. Um, there's one more big surprise. In the end, uh, you land back at the Rebel base where you are cheered as you as if you were a hero uh, because you've protected the location of the Rebel base from the First Order. It is an amazing ride, 22 minutes long. Um, uh, it's the highest rated ride in any or Disney Universal theme park in the United States or in the EU. Um, even grade school kids give it f- a full five out of five stars. But uh, yeah, it's a fantastic ride. The best thing that Disney's done in decades. Look, then we're going to have to get down to business here because we've had <laughs> 11 attractions placed on our leaderboards yep. so far. Now, sadly, there is a, a ride from Altman Towers near the bottom. It still made it onto the list. Gets let go, but still on the list. But look, let's let's move our way up near the top. We have some fantastic rides, including uh, Radiator Springs uh, Races, mm-hmm. the Cars Ride, Soarin', which is a fantastic uh, ride, uh, which takes you around the world from Epcot. We then have Kilimanjaro Safaris from the Animal Kingdom, yep. which is um, in second place with 19 out of 20. But... Last time round, we had the Spider-Man ride get 20 out of 20. So now I'm going to ask you, what's your scores? I've got a feeling I might know the answer to this. But what's your scores for fun and innovation for Rise of the Resistance? Fun uh, factor, full 10 out of 10. Uh, like I said, it's the highest rated theme park ride in uh, any Disney or Universal theme park in the United States or the EU. Uh, it's hard to imagine anything being more entertaining than this. Uh, if you stand at the exit of this ride, you will invariably see every single person coming off this ride clapping because they enjoyed it so much uh it's it's hard to get better than that in terms of innovation out of 10 points george i'm going to be a little different here i'm going to go all spinal tap and give it 11 11 out of 10 (laughs) 11 out of 10 which puts it 21 out of 20 let's avoid the maths here and concentrate on the facts (laughs) the fact is that this is lentester's number one ride his ultimate ride in his ultimate guide to theme park rides it tops the charts it tops the leaderboard Man, I'm jealous that you've been able to go on this. I want to go on this. I think everybody that's listening right now wants to go at it. Um, and and it's it's so good, it defies maths. 21 out of 20 <laughs> from Len Tester. Len, thank you so much. This whole series has been such a pleasure to be chatting with you about the ultimate, ultimate theme park rides across the world. Real quick, George, I want to thank my wife, Laurel, for helping me compile this list. Also, my friends in the UK, uh, Craig, Deb, Alex, Kieran, Philip and Jamie. Thank you guys very much for the help with this. I really appreciate it. From theme parks from Blackpool uh, and, and Legoland and Windsor all the way to the other side of the pond in, in Orlando, Florida. It's been a real, real treat. And if you are a Disney fanatic, um, do check out Len's brilliant podcast, The Disney Dish. And if you are planning a trip over in Orlando or even to some of the uh, British theme parks, do check out Len's um, brilliant books, the Unofficial Guide series and also his Touring Plans tool, which will help you save a lot of time in lines in parks and then thank you again and in uh, i cannot wait to hopefully chat 
one day about Rise of the Resistance with you once I've had a chance to do it. Thanks, Len, and thanks to George, too. And just like that, we are done. Wow, we've given you stuff to do. Now, it's your turn to go and do it. Remember, there are loads of episodes of Activity Quest that you can go back and listen to any time you like. If you're after some more suggestions, just scroll back in your podcast app and pick an episode you fancy. Whatever you do, and however you do it, tell us at funkidslive.com slash activityquest. And remember to rate, review, and follow this podcast wherever it is you're listening to it. I'm Bex, and this has been a podcast from the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. Listen to me on your DAB digital radio, online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app, and on your smart speaker. Just say, play Fun Kids every weekday from 4pm. See you then. The Space Programme is a Baffle Gab production for the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. You can listen to Fun Kids all day on your DAB digital radio, on your smart speaker by saying play Fun Kids, and on the free Fun Kids mobile app. You can also listen online and play loads of games, quizzes, as well as find out the latest news at funkidslive.com.